Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Ah, oh, you're lovely. Welcome to uh, episode nine, I think it is, of Rich Terry's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Oh, quite a few cool kids in. Yeah, you're not one of them, sir. Bad luck. You don't know what's going on. You're not down with the street, kids. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just a daily podcast show, and we're going to chat with some of uh, some comedians and uh, mess around. I'm really fucking knackered. I have to tell you, I thought I thought I was tired earlier in the week. I, don't, I think I will definitely die during this fringe. So. Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely certain of it, but I'm prepared to go for your entertainment, so that's all good. Um, later on, you'll get a chance to win uh, some money, uh, if you're here, not you at home. Uh, a copy of As It Occurs To Me, The Complete Pumpkin, uh, the uh, 2012 Road Atlas of Great Britain that I've been carrying in my bag since Sunday. It was given away free in the Sunday Mirror. That is uh, the whole of Britain on a map. You can show that to your grandchildren and go, yeah, in the old days, when we wanted to go somewhere, we used to look at a book and try and work out where it went. I mean, that is practically useless. I can't believe Sunday, the Sunday Mirror, the news of the world's closed. They thought, how can we get, how can we get? Should we give every reader a sat nav? No, come on, let's not go mad. A map, a map of Britain, <laughs> really tiny, so it's hard to read. But that's going to be one of you, uh, and uh, there'll be some money. We'll see how it goes. I've, I've had kind of, uh, the problem is at the moment, I ho hopefully next week things will be better, but I'm um, trying to write this Radio 4 show at the moment, which was stupid of me to take this on. It's not like I take on way too much stuff all the time. Uh, and uh, that's very hard. I keep falling asleep instead of writing it. And um, I was doing quite well last night. I finished my show and then I, and I did about an hour's work. Thought, oh, this is going well. Then I remembered I had to go and do Best of the Fest at the assembly rooms, which was annoying. Uh, and... Uh, Every time I've done Best of the Fest, I've fucked up really badly. I've say it's like I I'm surprised they asked me back. I did about three or four years ago, uh, and I was drunk. And uh, Reese Darby from uh, F uh, Flight of the Concords and various other things was on before me. It was before they'd really broken, so it means it was four or five years ago. And um, uh, he was brilliant. I mean, he does he does a kind of sound effects thing with robots, and but he's a very very funny comedian and kind of completely just the, r the roof had come off the room. And then I went on and I was a bit pissed off and drunk and <laughs> did about 14 minutes of just adequate material to the kind of laughter that I'm getting here today. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then someone right there went, uh, and I kind of just lost it as I was angry and kind of really laid into these guys, going, oh, I'm too, I'm too clever for you. That's what the problem is. I'm th my stuff's too intelligent It's the guy, sorry, I can't do funny sound effects. That's all you like. And I thought I was cleverly mocking myself, but it just looked like I was saying Reese Darby was shit, which he isn't. I want to reiterate that. He was amazing. But it was like someone had gone, blown the roof off, and then a bloke comes on, does quite badly, and then guys go, yeah, I'm not like that other guy. He's that other shit guy with his robots. Uh, so I thought I was parodying myself, but in my drunkenness. So that they didn't ask me back for a couple of years after that one. Uh, last, night, last night I did all my jokes, and I thought, I'll just do jokes, because it'll be, you know, stag nights like these guys here. They're gonna, they're, these guys here are going to kick off in a minute. They look quite respectable at the moment. Uh, they'll kick off in a second once I've had a couple of drinks. So I thought, I'll just do gags. And then it was going quite well. I thought, I'll do one of my clever routines. Routines. This is going well. So I did my Ferrero Rocher routine. And as, the, as soon as I, which is in my show, What Is Love Anyway, 8.50 at the uh, <laughs> cow bar. Uh, and it, but it takes a long time to get into it. And so I, I kind of realised as I started, I thought, oh, this was a mistake. It's the changing of gear. So it's my own fault. And I got about five minutes into the routine. There aren't really any jokes till about the sixth minute. So you, there's a lot of build-up. And, and a guy shouting, where's the punchline? Uh, and... Um, <laughs> 
it was quite hard for me to carry on with my... And so I just, I, it was lucky really, because I only had like two minutes left. I didn't have enough time to do the whole sketch. And uh, so all I did was just laid into him for 30 minutes, for a couple of minutes, saying, yeah, you need, it's like Christmas Eve, isn't it? Going, where's my present taken? I want them. You think, you know, after 20 years, I probably had worked out that a comedy routine would need a punchline. I, I imagine I'm working up towards that. But, you know, you can't wait. So I'll tell you the punchline. There were loads of Ferrero Rocher chocolates. That's the punchline. <laughs> um, so he kind of wrecked it. But then but it, was kind of, it was kind of interesting to experience humiliation again. Uh, and, uh, and then I came back. I walked back home. And on the way there, I'd seen um, some kids walking around with a T-shirt saying, Hitler the musical. Has anyone seen this? Which I blame Stuart Lee for this, uh, this rash of... This is all Stuart Lee's fault. He's done Jerry Spring the Opera, and now everyone thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll take a controversial subject and turn it into a musical. I mean, that Hitler the musical. I can't think. I mean, it's, it's just so pathetic. If you, if you can, has anyone seen Hitler the musical? Let's all go. Why don't we all go? I should have, bought, I should have just gone and bought a whole load of tickets and made you all go and see it. I'll maybe, if I see him again, I'll do it. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. That could be everyone can go and see Hitler the Musical. It may be brilliant. I'm imagining it will be trite and offensive. So uh, that, is my, that is my guess. That's my, but I, I, on the way back, I went to the Clamshell, which is a chip shop on the Royal Mile, which I used to go to in 1987. That was where I mainly ate the first Edinburgh. I stayed up here, where it was run by some proper Scotch men back then. Proper, yeah, scotch, yeah. Uh, they were proper, they were made out of whiskey. What were you? <laughs> they were just a bubble of whiskey in perspective. Uh, and uh, so I was right. Uh, but it was kind of, you'd go in and they would just go, something sus! And you'd have to go, yes, of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of having vinegar or tomato ketchup. Back then in 1980s, things have changed. Now it's Eastern European men who offer you vinegar and tomato ketchup with your chips. And I said, no, Sultan's brown sauce please I said because I thought if I said sassy you might be confused uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's kind of weird to go back to that place it's, and I think the spring rolls that they have there are exactly the same as they were 24 years ago that's what I used to eat I was vegetarian back then what an idiot uh, and uh, <laughs> and we learn we live and learn um, once the rest of you don't have 15 years I'll start up again okay that's the deal when everyone else has done 15 years it, I'll carry on uh, but um, and I on, and my most annoying news is uh, that yesterday I had I got my uh, eighth stamp on a Cafe Nero card uh, which is a pretty exciting place to be I've, I've lost the card I've, lo I've lost I've got all that fun I looked through all my pockets today it's gone it's terrible isn't it it's just two two coffees away <laughs> what I do, I don't know what you do, if you do this, what I often do with Cafe Nero, I'll buy kind of the cheaper coffees when I'm getting the stamps, and then when I've got the full one, I'll get like uh, Frappuccino Light, you know, and then that's, that's nearly three pounds worth of coffee you get in there. Then you've been, you can get it just with an espresso, 125, so that's a little tip for you there. <laughs> but you have to hold on to the card. If you lose the card, you're in trouble. And uh, Bert and Ernie um, from Sesame Street, are not going to get involved in a gay marriage. That is the news today. <laughs> They've been being, yes, it's just people. Oh, they're so clearly gay. Well, look at their engorged penises in the sketch. You can see, they're puppets. They're not anything. They haven't got a sex, they haven't got any sexual organs. They can't have a sexuality. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sesame Street have said that, they, that, well, I've just said that puppets, they're puppets. <laughs> so, I think, I can't work out. I can't work out whether it's appropriate or not, whether it's brilliant if they would. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
if they did get married, whether that'd be brilliant or whether it would just be odd and confusing and really ruin it. It's kind of because it's the kind of in, it's that Morgan Wise innocence that they sleep in the same bed together. If you then think, even if we don't see it, the fact that then the minute the sketch is over, Bert, I reckon he's the postman. He's the postman, right there, Bert. <laughs> I reckon he's just on top. So I can't work out whether they've made the right or wrong decision there. It's so difficult. Sometimes in the modern world, ethics are a difficult thing. Uh, and I think in Sesame Street... Oh, it's going quite well, considering how fucking shit I felt before I came here. So uh, we're going to get our guest on, because we've got a, another terrific guest. Uh, uh, and uh, he used to fancy me. Uh, this, uh, he has a, it's a good link from Bert and Ernie. That's what I thought. I'll do the, I know, I'll do the game material... I've got some anti-Asian uh, material as well that I'm, I'm going to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the day I became homophobic and racist. And I know, who have I got on? Oh, for fuck's sake. What are the chances of that? The day I decide not to be liberal anymore. The vegetarianism went first, then the rest. That's, that's what just, you get more right-wing as you get older. Um, that's why I did Hitler Moustache. Actually, I noticed, uh, I did a show a few years ago called Hitler Moustache. I noticed uh, Jack Whitehall. He's a, he's a notorious plagiarist. And he's, um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's ripped me off. Have you seen his posters this year? He's doing uh, Peter Sutcliffe's beard this year. Have you seen it? It's exactly my fucking, <laughs> he's doing my exact idea. Furious about it. It's going, on my w going up on my website. So, um, <laughs> my plagiarist corner. Which uh, so far in the plagiarist, Stuart, you know, Stuart Lee's got a plagiarist corner on his website where he reveals people who he thinks have nicked off his stuff. I've got one, and it's just all of Stuart Lee's videos. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> that's all, all it is. <laughs> With a picture of my face going, whoa. Um, <laughs> oh, we're having fun. You're a very nice audience, so I'll get on our guest. I've managed to turn it over to Peter Sutcliffe. That's taken us away. <laughs> from the unpleasantness of earlier. Uh, he's a big cricket fan. And I don't think I said he did a fantastic show on Radio 4 that you must try and find if it's anywhere online uh, about uh, uh, his uh, divided loyalties between England and India as a cricket fan uh, and uh, doing a fantastic show at the stand. Will you please welcome Paul Sinner? <laughs> sit, on this, uh, sit on this stool. <laughs> I've made it all leopard skin for you. Uh, Hello. I didn't know you were going to bring up the fact that I used to fancy you. <laughs> tell him, tell me the stuff. The first time we met was at an Avalon party in yeah. 1999, and I, I'd never met famous people before. Yeah. And and I, was, I was famous then, and in 1999. Uh, <laughs> riding away. As, as, as I mentioned in my show a few times, I've always been a bit weird in front of famous people, because I know I'll never be famous. And uh, I went up to you, and I said, you're Richard Herring, and he said, yeah. And I said, I used to fancy you, and I thought you'd be flattered. And instead you went, well, why don't you anymore? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I absolutely panicked because I couldn't tell, <laughs> I couldn't tell the truth, which is uh, you're older and fatter than I remember. <laughs> and, and, and so what I actually said was, I'm straight now. <laughs> That's is, right. I can tell we turn women gay and gay men straight. That's how... <laughs> That's that's the extent of my powers. <laughs> <laughs> so that that, that, that was uh, that was the first time we met. <laughs> it was I, a I made a dick of myself. There you go. It was fine. It was a good story. <laughs> I, I meant to tell it myself, but then I forgot. <laughs> I got carried away. I got carried away. Uh, but uh, yeah. So what's what's your show this year? Let's get into that. Uh, my show is called Fred West Sideburns. It's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's, it's, it's called Looking at the Stars. It's not, it's not heavily thematic this year, no. although the Looking at the Stars is a sort of pun. There's Oscar Wilde's quote about all of us are in the gutter and some of us are looking at the stars, and it's about aspiration. And in this week of all weeks, it's quite clear there's a lot of people that lack dreams and aspirations, but it's also about directly looking at the stars, as in people more famous than myself, because mm -hmm. for the last four or five years, I've skirted around the outskirts of celebrity and its, its tales. And uh, funnily enough, uh, there's a story about Howard Jones, because oh, your, yeah. your show is... Uh, yeah, yeah well, some fans, uh, yeah. Some fans uh, of... I, I think it's fair to say, madam, that his music defined the 1980s, <laughs> much like the Beatles defined the 1960s. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and there was the, 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 the pop star after whose music your show is That's named. Right, yeah. um, I, he was the first famous person I met. And in a bizarre coincidence, I was... So, 87, is it? Uh, you were vegetarian when you said 24 years ago? Yeah, well, no, yeah, I, was, I became vegetarian. I met him in 87, and right. I was vegetarian then. Right. And I was getting an album signed by him, and I thought I'd lie to him. I was vegetarian because a boy at school I loved was vegetarian. That's really sad. But I thought I'd lie to him, and I'd say, Howard, I became a vegetarian because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> and he looked at me and went, that was stupid. I love meat. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I felt like an absolute bellend. So it's a story of, of various, <laughs> various stupid incidents of mine when I met famous people, including yeah. the time that I was humiliated by James Corden on the pilot episode of A League of Their Own. And <laughs> Steve Bennett, in his Chortle review, mentioned it in his review. And I've had two direct messages from James Corden in the last 24 hours wanting a chat. <laughs> and I've got absolutely no idea what to do with it. I thought it was safe to slag off famous <laughs> people. I never thought that anybody would ever, would ever, ever, ever find out. He wants to humiliate you further, probably. Yes, That's I, right. I, I, didn't, so. I didn't feel I'm, I went I'm, far I'm his enough. new Patrick Stewart. Um, well, the same thing's happened to me, because in my show I talk about... I, I, uh, I used to be infatuated with the actress Julia Sawala, and then... Um, I don't want to give too much of the show away, but I, I ended up going out with the actress Julia Suala for 18 months. But then in the show, I talk about why we broke up and then the Daily Express. And I went out with her in the year 2000, 2001, I think we broke up. So it's literally 10-year-old news. <laughs> and the Daily Express gossip column has why me and, why me and Julia Suala broke up because they've got it off the show. <laughs> so it's kind of a bit pathetic. And one of the celebrities is me, which is not... You've got to be flattered, though, to actually... Is that what you wanted, to be a celebrity? Because I haven't decided no. yet. You no, I don't think I... Well, maybe when I really, really start, I think that's kind of... When you first come up, and I think this is interesting, you see a lot of kids coming up going, oh, you know, I'll get a big break and I'll be on TV. And it's not... I think, especially as a comedian, it's not a helpful thing to get recognised too quickly because then you'll, you know, turn into Jack Whitehall. And uh, <laughs> then... Uh, I don't know why I said that. I think he's quite good. But uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd do a back reference because he stole my idea. He didn't. He's not He's not even doing that. So why? I've created, I've created a beef with him that doesn't even exist. I'm furious with him. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I think so. I think you kind of feel like, wouldn't it be amazing to be f famous and successful and get all that stuff? But the more you go on, the more I kind of would like to carry on doing my job and be as unfamous as possible. You have to have a certain amount of uh, you know notoriety in order for people to come and see you. Yeah, right. So well, there's, a, there's, yeah, there's it's a it's a trade off. But I don't want to you know I, I, the idea of being famous for the sake of it and only having famous friends as a, some kind of vindication of your you know you get these guys who become famous. And then they only—they don't have any friends from before. They only hang around with other famous people. That seems weird, right? That you'd—that's how shallow and empty you're, is your you're, life. You're you go, look at me. I'm at Elton John's party. Yeah, <laughs> me and Elton John are really good friends. No, you're not. <laughs> you're well, just both famous. That's I not. I mean, you friendship. are pretty much the most famous person that I know. That's—that's that's, that's how—that's how celebrity-driven <laughs> I am. And I didn't think I wanted. <laughs> 
I didn't actually think I wanted celebrity until I saw every day of Wimbledon, McIntyre and Corden sat there at centre <laughs> court, and I thought maybe there is an advantage to being a celebrity. But I've never craved that kind of fame. I tell you what, if you go out with uh, Sally Phillips, which I did as well, I, I'm, I don't just I don't just go out with uh, famous actresses, and she wasn't famous. I at used that to point. date Ross Kemp. That's another story. There's a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into. <laughs> and yes, but, Rebecca Brooks is a bitch. But um. but. Uh, Sally Phillips' dad is the director of uh, Wimbledon, so uh, we got uh, we got free tickets to, to all the Wimbledon things. It was almost worth carrying on going out with her, even yeah, though the relationship <laughs> was dead. It was one time we were sitting in the it was the year I can't, it was the last year Navratilova got uh, through to got, got quite got far into the semi-finals, I think, and uh, we were sitting uh, right next to the royal box, uh, or to give it give her official title, the Princess of Wales, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> I could see it, but I actually. It was, bef it was before she was dead, right? So it's okay. <laughs> this is, wasn't her skeleton propped up in there. It was, at, it was before she died. And she was there with that little dwarf guy she used to hang around with, uh, Prince William. I don't know what happened to him. And, um, and I, we were kind of, there was a break in play. Because she was so close. She was like about, where, you know, this won't help people at home, but she was basically where that man over there with a the beard is. Imagine that man with a beard is Princess Diana. And he, she was fa she's facing the other way. And I was staring, looking at her to see what she looked like because I didn't know. And uh, she must have sensed my eyes boring into the back of her head because she turned around and looked me directly in the face. And I didn't know what the correct royal protocol was at this point. So what I did is I just pulled a really stupid face at her. Going, uh, and, uh, and then Princess Diana really laughed and looked up at me through her fringe really coyly and sexy like she used to do. And, it's kind of and she remembered amazing. it because yeah. years later uh, she was uh, telling her chauffeur that exact story. <laughs> <laughs> Rather distracting him from his duties. But uh, <laughs> I think I was genuinely, I think I was genuinely in with uh, Princess Diana at this point. It was because I was there with my girlfriend. It was difficult. I was trying in my head to work out how could I slip away and get, because as it turns out, would have been pretty easy, eh? Hey, fellas, you know where I'm coming from? With old Princess Diana, hey, the slag, hey, come on. That'll be in the fucking Daily Express now. <laughs> so what have I thought? Be front page of the Daily Mail now. I should have told that story. So, yes. Anyone would think you were deliberately trying to get a bit of tabloid <laughs> outrage, Richard. Shame on you. You'll be talking about Richard Hammond next. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, no, I, I've never had any... I, I've enjoyed listening to what you breeders get up to. It's very entertaining. <laughs> uh, and good luck on the way. It is you, is it? Well, let's hope it's this guy who's getting married. Because <laughs> there's a stag doing where there's um, four blokes in just check shirts and a man wearing a, a pink jock jockey top. <laughs> Saying Penfold something, Penfold Peanut. I'm guessing he's the he's the getting the one getting married. Yes. <laughs> he's just their very flamboyant friends. <laughs> Is this guy? <laughs> I love R H. He's got on a pink hat as well. There we go. It could be the the second uh, little it? proposal I get. <laughs> Have I managed to take it turn on these straight men gay? That's the question. <laughs> uh, that would be. If, if I could do that, by the way, I would happily have been Ernie to your birth. If you're wondering. <laughs> That, that, that's where it was going. <laughs> What's your name, sir? Penfold, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Ian Penfold. <laughs> Mike Penfold. That's a good guess, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, what? They very, that's very nice. You seem very nice for a stag do, but it's probably early on, right? Are you the best man? You're both of you the best man. Definitely not him, though. Look at him. He's, uh, he's there. <laughs> you can tell. Are you two in it as well, or are you just some other men behind? Yeah, you've got a lot of friends. Well done. They're very... Uh, they're very uh, <laughs> It's quite hard sometimes for some guys. You might get you go along and there's just you and one other bloke there. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been a best man? Um, 
three times. Wow. Yes, three times. Uh, once for my uh, once I didn't have to do anything really. It was my uncle getting married in New Jersey, and then to uh, best mates one in two thousand and one last year. And it's I love it. I, I love weddings. I love the whole thing. I love you know. Do you find the uh, the speeches uh, the lot lot of expectation for a the hell of a lot of expectation? <laughs> and um, it, it, what you can do depends on the conservative nature of. Uh, the bride's family, I think. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that my parents were at both of the weddings as well. Okay. And my parents, they're all right about me being gay, but they don't really like me going on about it quite <laughs> as much as I do. Uh, and so I have to be very conservative, in, in a bit more conservative than I'd like if, if yeah. your folks are there. But I, no, I love it. I love the whole pageantry. I love the whole thing. They're very expensive. They are. Uh, especially stag weekends, as, as, and especially during the fringe. Uh, they're very expensive. Uh, try the free fringe later. And Scott Caporo. See Scott Caporo. <laughs> Because I think his style of comedy would be perfect for you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, go and see Scott Kapoor. But uh, no, they're very expensive. And uh, as, as um, self-employed people that live for weekends, that's, that's where we earn our money, yeah. they tend to be financially crippling. Um, listen to me whining. Um, <laughs> but no, I love being a best man. Good, yeah. Well, you're a very nice stag duke, so well done. Sometimes they're... Usually they're dicks, let's face it. So uh, who, who want the world to revolve around them? But you've just sat back and we've let involved you and now don't say anything else. Uh, so uh, the, the cricket's um, <laughs> the cricket's going on as we speak. Are you ex- and I did really enjoy your... It's often with Radio 4 shows, like mine, especially the one I'm going to record next Monday that I haven't written. They're shit, a lot of them, the comedy shows. Uh, but it was an amazingly uh, full half hour about your fascination with cricket, but also the, uh, being in, from the Indian subcontinent and who do you support, England or India, now that you are, uh, you're an English guy, Thank obviously. You. Thank you. Thank so you. So I said now that you are, <laughs> but you are an English, but you're born in England, right? Yeah, born in Luton. So, uh, um, so you're English, but you still, you didn't pass the cricket test of Lord Tebbit. No, uh, that wasn't what the show, uh, well, and that was what the show was about, was about the idea that it shouldn't actually matter who you support, just don't be a dick about it. Yeah. I think that was, that, was, that was essentially what I was saying. And the, the, the reason why so many people from my background supported India was simply that you just go with your folks. Yeah. And it's really nothing more than that. You just went with your folks when you, you made your decision when you were a kid and you went with it. Yeah. But actually, as I mean, by the way, we're in Scotland at the moment. So by cheers, does anybody actually like cricket? Yeah. All right, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. What I am more than anything else is a cricket fan. Um, and so I'm now supporting England because they're better. Glory hunter, <laughs> me, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not just better. They're, they're absolutely marmalising India at the moment. But I can't give my full support to India when they're lacking fitness, professionalism. They're not taking this test series as seriously. They take the more money-making enterprises, the T20s and all that. Uh, and so I can't find myself supporting India in this series because they've been playing so utterly shit. Mm. And it's been... And, and, and of course, because I'm in love with Stuart Broad. Those are two... <laughs> those, <laughs> those are two very different issues. But actually, at the moment, I'm, support, I'm supporting England. Right. Um, and I that, that does make me a glory hunter, but so I think at the mo- I think this test, it should be Cook versus India. Whatever. Cook scores uh, versus India for the two. I mean, the other people are still allowed to help out because I think if he has to bowl and field on well, his you, own, you, I don't think that will do very well. But if it's him with the England yeah. team, but only his score counts against you, India. You're not a cricket fan, really, no, because you, you won't know that he hasn't scored anything until yesterday. <laughs> he actually got this. What this game? Though. This game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's got. He's like on 210 or something now, probably. Yes, yes, yes. So and the, they got 240. I know everything about it. Don't you? I, I do my <laughs> research. I research very carefully. Uh, so every day, what? 
time, he said, oh, we're doing all right. Things are going along. I, I do a little memory from uh, a previous Edinburgh. I'll, I'll ask you in a second, Paul, for yeah. if, you, if you have any favourite memories. Uh, I think we got up to 1995. I don't know. I'm going to say it was 1995. <laughs> uh, you can look it up on Wikipedia, where in that year I did... Uh, I haven't looked it up, actually. I did a show called uh, Rich Terring is All Man, definitely that year, which was uh, with uh, Sally Phillips. I've had her. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tom Bins, as I haven't, I d- nice looking boy. I didn't go, I didn't go there with him. But uh, actually, me and Sally had broken up by this point. But we're still, uh, we weren't going out with each other anymore. But she still agreed to do my Edinburgh show. It's funny she never mentions you. No, I know. <laughs> well, actually, she was quite obsessive about me for quite a while afterwards. And really, the breakup was very. We, it was one of those things where you, you're going out. We're very young still, right? It was mm. still our like mid twenties, and you're going out for a while, and then everything kind of drifts apart a little bit. Then we broke up, and then we really started having some great sex again after that. that is, it was one of those relationships. <laughs> so we were just banging each other all the time, but we weren't going out with each other. It was brilliant. That's why if you're having a, if you're having a bad if you're in your mid-20s having a bad time, this may be indiscreet. This may make them in the Daily Express. But if you're having a bad time in your relationship, you know, go for it. But uh, the thing I remember about that... Uh, Break up and just pretend you're not going out with each other anymore. It makes it much better. Uh, and uh, then, you know, the jealousies and the fights, it's amazing. Taking a turn, hasn't it? It's time to, it's, it's take, I've gone too far. Uh, it's gonna. The more this podcast goes on, the more the revelations will come. Come and see this at the end, because I'll be basically just on uh, amphetamines by that stage in my brain, just saying everything that comes into my brain about everyone. Uh, but the thing I remember about Rich Terring as All Man was that uh, to, it was about me being immature, basically, even then, and being a child. Uh, and um, Tom Bins was in the in the show, who he went on to be. Uh, the uh, Ivor Brackenbury, and he's doing Ian, Ian, Ian de Montfort. He's the character he's doing this year. Uh, but uh, he kind of went. He went. He had to go somewhere, and then he d- he hadn't turned up for the show, and it was like we all we were <laughs> waiting for him. And he didn't, we had to start the show without him, and it was like a three-hander show. Uh, and it was we thought, can we can we do it without him? And we kind of realized we realized we could get the stagehand to do like he had to do be a beard, this beard on a stick, so we could get the beard on the stick to come in and get the stagehand to read his lines from backstage, which wasn't what was meant to happen. Mm. And we kind of managed to make it work for half an hour, and then it got to a point where it went, oh, we really can't ca- carry on with the show. I was hoping he would arrive. And I opened the door of the theatre, went out into the corridor, and Tom Pins was standing there with his kind of ear to the door going... And obviously, just just having arrived and realised, but it looked like it looked so contrived. It looked like we got oh, there's no way we can go and open the door. Tom Bins is standing there, having realised that he's there. And he, the reason he was late because he had a what his watch had stopped, and he had a Lion King watch, <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, quite apt. So have, have uh, you seen have you seen his new character? I, I haven't seen it, but I've t- I've talked to him about it. It's very interesting. Has, any, uh, has anybody seen Ian De Montfort? It's pretty incredible, isn't it, what he does? I'm a little bit worried. Uh, Ian de Montfort, is, this is Tom Binns' character. It's, it's a psychic. And what he's done is he's done learned the tricks of psychics. Yeah. And he performs some amazing stuff in the show. He tells somebody what his first PE teacher was called. He tells someone else that they met at a walkabout, this sort of stuff. It's utterly unethical, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> obvious to me that from the moment that you buy your ticket, your address and your name is being fed to people who are l- then learning everything about yeah, you. Yeah. Because there's no way they could learn that sort of stuff unless they've been on your Facebook profile. And I'm just Maybe, not sure. Maybe, but I also think, I've, you know, I, I, it was something I kind of casually would mess around with where you would do that. because, And even like with, with girlfriends or like, but sometimes in shows, you kind of, you, if you just pick something a little bit quirky and odd, like I was doing a show the other day, I'll try it with you. So when you were a kid, did you, you had like a, so, you had a t- cuddly toy that you really liked, but it was, not a, it was quite an unusual one, wasn't it? It was something a bit unusual. Did you have that? 
No, it wasn't you. It was you. It was you. It was you. No, okay. But you know, if, so if you if you hit, it's somewhere it's somewhere over there in this part of the room. But that's how it works. So when like this girl just went, yeah, I did. I had a you know a gazelle thing. So you know, they they give you the information, yeah. and uh, you know I think you can. You just you've got you, you just kind of tr- kick, kick stuff off. And if you can hit something, and he told me that if you just hit something. You just need to hit one big thing in in the in the hour. To be fair, but he did tell somebody that his PE teacher was called <laughs> Mr. Rust. Yeah, okay. Uh, that that you can't get that maybe. from somebody's face. Maybe. No, maybe, but that's what they do. I mean, they do do it. I was on with Psychic Sally in Bolton. Well, I was not on with her. I was on <laughs> downstairs from her, oh, right. uh, where she had like five thousand people in the room, and I had eighty <laughs> people in my room. I was going. Kind of Let it go. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll give up writing stuff and just make a load of shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and go on and and you know, feed on the on the desperate and sad and lonely. This sounds as bitter as McIntyre's <laughs> autobiography going on about how he never closed at genre. Let it go. You're a success now. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Fuck Bolton. <laughs> uh, what have I ever done to you apart from slag off Peter Kay and uh, Paddy McGuinness all the time? So uh, what, have you got? To, you've got a favourite uh, Edinburgh story memory thing that's happened? Exciting? No. no nothing. No. It's all been. Uh, a well of despair, really. <laughs> the most exciting... I mean, I first came in 2001 when I did The Big Value, and the most exciting thing I saw then was a guy getting bottled off stage at Late and Live uh, and overhearing a promoter going, I predict big things for this guy, and <laughs> me going, you fucking idiot, he's shit. And that was Russell Brand. And um, <laughs> uh, it turned out that promoted you a lot more about him. And then yeah. uh, He was getting bottled off because he was standing on stage muttering incoherently, and nobody liked it. And they started boasting about how much money he was making on MTV. And right. that's, when, that's when the bottles started flying. <laughs> and that was the highlight of 2001. And in 2004, when I did my first show about my hatred of the film Love Actually, I thought that would be a clever idea. Seven of those shows never happened because no tickets were sold. And the highlight of that show was twice the guy who played Sanjay from EastEnders <laughs> came to see my show. And when that is the highlight of your Edinburgh Fringe... <laughs> You, you know you've had a pretty unsuccessful <laughs> run. Um, he came twice, though. That's he did, pretty you know, good, yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, but that, that, that's, that was the highlight. But uh, things got better. I once uh, weeped uncontrollably at the film Love Actually. I, whenever it's on, I watch it, and I hate it. But I, and I was in a... It wasn't the film. I don't think that maybe... It wasn't like, oh, isn't this sweet? I actually... Something... I can't... I was going through a little bit of a difficult... I think I'd broken up with someone, and I was, a, and I was at home on my own and feeling quite desolate. And then something in the film, and I can't remember what it was, made me start crying to the point that I thought I would never stop crying again in my <laughs> life. And I was there, really weeping on my own, in my, and Love Actually was on. And that's my main memory of Love Actually. And I, 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 I keep watching it to try and work out what was the thing that triggered off this kind of dis- de- despair that my life was meaningless and worthless. But it probably is the whole thing, to It was honest. probably just seeing some stand-up comics getting roles in a film and <laughs> not being you. I imagine... <laughs> I imagine that might have been what it was. Yeah, I'd really, I wish I was in the boat that rocked because I would have loved to play that character of the man who rapes an eighteen, 15-year-old girl in a comedy situation. Basically, have you seen the boat that rocks? Sort of should do. <laughs> you should do it. Nick Frost essentially uh, facilitates so, uh, f- the, the, the uh, rape of... For the purpose uh, of the podcast, yeah. are you being ironic or sarcastic? No, or what, what intonation are you... In the boat that rocked, there's a bit where Nick Frost gets a girl. She's not 15, she's probably 17. All Nick right. Frost is playing like a 40-year-old <laughs> DJ. He gets her back to his room and saying he's going to have sex with her, then turns the light out and gets his friend to come in and have sex with her. And it's a comedy scene. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I think Love Actually would be improved with a few more rapes in it. I think if if they, if they, if just every now and again someone pounced on the male characters, I think should all be raped in it. It should be, it should just be not. 
oh, just really for, punched in the face in a nasty way. Thank you for, for being nice. inclusive, Richard. No, I just that was don't. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> I'd just like to see you, Grant, punched in the face, punched to the ground, just as he's about to kiss the girl off of EastEnders and brutally raped. <laughs> what do you think? No, no I'm not no? having that. <laughs> I've also come up with this, with the comedian Sarah Kendall, this is just my own idea. I've come up with, uh, I'd like to splice together two different genres of, co- of film. So I'd quite like to do a film. We came up with an idea for a film that was kind of a, a rom-com film about uh, someone write, like a bit like Serrano de Bergerac, a guy's writing a girl's column for a girl's paper and the guy's better at writing for girls and they, they, you know, they're, they're both single and they're not interested in getting a relationship and it's all going like that and it's all heading towards this rom-com conclusion that she'll end up writing her own column but they'll fall in love. But then in the final reel, he <laughs> gets her to the printing presses to see... <laughs> to see the first, it's not. It's not true. I'm getting, it's just an idea. We're not going to do it. He gets to the free presses and then rapes her in the in the, and it turns into a it turns into a completely different kind of film. And she's going, she's going. But I liked you anyway. There's no need to rape me. I liked you anyway. He doesn't care. He turns into it turns into a psychological thriller. So it's all been funny up to that. Then it turns very dark. Someone else suggested taking Home Alone. And doing this, so it's a it's a quirky thing, and then one of the one of the prisoners kills uh, Kevin. One of the <laughs> one of the actually manages to actually brutally kill him, and the mother is then put up in court for neglect, child neglect. For You've the not seen Home film. Alone Four, have you? <laughs> that, that, I that think it could be done. I think it could be done. Macaulay Culkin would probably do it. Now that's the thing. <laughs> so uh, good. Have you seen any other shows this year? Taking a bit of a turn, hasn't it? Do you say even the st- the stag night are poor. They're going. I didn't realise. I knew we were going to see some stuff later on, but I didn't think there was yeah, anything like this. Yeah, I've seen some very good stuff. Simon Munnery here was absolutely oh, yes. brilliant. Alex Horn, who I saw in oh, um, second mention for Alex Horn, the uh, Pleasance Dome. Yeah, um, was great. Technological. I mean, it's t- I'm just a man at a mic. I've never brought a PowerPoint. I've never brought a projector. Anything like that. I've always just been a man at a mic. And to see somebody with Gadgets, computers, everything, bring a whole multimedia show. I like watching shows that I cannot emulate in any way, shape, or form. And Alex Horns is that. It's very, 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 very good. Mm. And I really like Mark Olver. Um, oh, yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark in Bristol. Down, uh, down Bristol yeah, in the caves, is doing a show called Portrait of a, uh, Olver, Portrait of a Serial Killer, which again is very multimedia and has a running plot line about uh, a, a war between clowns and stand ups who are murdering each other. And I was surprised. I was surprised <laughs> to hear the punchline. And Paul Sinhar has been found dead, hanging from a trapeze. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not the punchline you expect to see when you go and see a show. So no, I, I enjoyed that. But you know, don't take my word for it. Just go and see whatever you like, really. And I'm asking all of my guests this question. Yeah. So don't think it's weighted in any way towards <laughs> you. What would it take for you to fillate the actor Keith Allen? What would uh, What would you need in return? <laughs> what would you want in return for doing that? <laughs> I'm asking everyone I'll be asking tomorrow I'll be asking the sweet uh, comedian Francesca Martinez that question I'm not looking forward to that that would seem inappropriate um, it wouldn't take a lot really no, okay. a, cu- a, couple of, a couple of drinks <laughs> just to say I'd fillated Keith Allen yeah, that, that you're, be so you're impressed with celebrity I'm impressed with celebrity and I've never actually fillated a famous person right. I've fillated um <laughs> A guy who claimed to be Brett Anderson from Suede's hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the most famous person I've related. 
had he, oh, had he filleted Brett Anderson? Because the, then you'd at least uh, be one step, yeah. one degree of separation. And, um, one degree t- of t- Paul Sinner. About ten or twelve years ago, yeah. I was filleting someone when it was interrupted by him receiving a phone call from Victor Lewis Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that was a slight, that was a slightly odd experience. That, 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 those are my two fillet claims. Claim. It'd be nice to do the real deal. No, it wouldn't take me no, no more than just two drinks to wash the taste. That's out. good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you and moving swiftly on, <laughs> I, I'm the only one who's allowed to be rude. Uh, if you um, uh, you're into quizzes, you're a big quizzer, and you're in some new TV show. Well, about no, no, the show's not new. Oh, it's it? um, the Chase. Does anyone know the Chase? Bradley Walsh, 5 p.m. ITV. No, yep, no one. Anyone? None of these people have jobs. No. They're all out here on a um, Friday. It's a show where members of the public take on quiz experts to try and win money. Okay. Uh, so it's a fast-paced version of Eggheads without a CJ, which is obviously a massive advantage. <laughs> and and uh, I'm one of the uh, resident quiz quiz <laughs> experts from September. I'm a bit obsessed with CJ, CJ, CJ Jamoy. Yes. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with him, because he's. if you watch Eggheads, he's the rubbish one on Eggheads, who always... I don't think there's any point in ever going up against him, because he always gets knocked out, but he's useless anyway, so you might as well try and knock out the good ones rather than not leave him in. But he always gets knocked out. But I was in... Um, where was I? I was in somewhere... <laughs> Oh, I can't remember where it was, but I was in a little provincial town mm-hmm. uh, and I was backstage and there was a poster for the pantomime from three years before, which CJ from Eggheads was the celebrity <laughs> in the pantomime, the only one. It's like, what? either they thought, you know, they either blew all their celebrity budget on getting CJ from Eggheads <laughs> and how low down would you, you've had to try every other celebrity in the world. <laughs> CJ from Eggheads will do it. Uh, and or Brett Anderson's hair. <laughs> Or they'd just gone, we've got CJ from Eggheads, we don't need... That's it, kids, what the you kids were, love what, him. What you might not know is that is his big ambition as musical theatre. Right. That, that I don't know if anyone follows him on Twitter, but it is unbelievably self-absorbed, <laughs> if you can imagine such a thing, Richard. It is an unbelievably <laughs> self-absorbed Twitter feed. That is a constant litany of his gym routines and his <laughs> diet and, and his ambitions to do musical theatre. So that, that is his big... He is fully trained in... Yeah, yeah. So he's got some sort of degree in musical theatre. I bet, I bet he was amazing. The one person who'd seen it told me he was quite good in it. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I saw him in a service station once as well. He I saw Krishnan Guru Murthy at a petrol you? station. That wow. trumps that. It does trump it. But CJ was flouncing around, that's all I can say, looking around, wanting to be recognised, honestly, as if he was the most famous man in the world. The way he was sort of shouting around to his friend, and it was really flamboyantly <laughs> trying to get everyone's attention. I just thought he was brilliant. I'm obsessed with him. I wish I could get, I wish I could get him on. You were the closest I could get. <laughs> 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 oh god, the truth so of that. Okay. Did you try to get on eggheads though? Didn't you try I to did, get on the yeah, eggheads? Yeah, I did. Um, are you an egghead? It was a yeah. show to become an egghead. Are and you an egghead? Are you an egghead? <laughs> the <laughs> sideshow. Yeah. Who wants egghead. to be a millionaire? Are you an egghead? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to be an owl. I'll have a go being an egghead. Yeah, I am an egghead. I've got egg on my head. Okay, carry on. Look, just because you lost on Celebrity <laughs> Mastermind doesn't mean you have to take the piss out of all the other highest score. You lost. That's the main thing. You lost. You didn't get through. Um, <laughs> I know Sunderland's at the mouth of the wheel. Why did I say Newcastle? Why? AC Milan never say, well, we got three goals at Istanbul in 2005. <laughs> they, 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 they lost. Um, just because you <laughs> lost. Um, no, I did a show called Are You Naked? Actually, because 
I didn't want to be an egghead. I just wanted to be somebody who'd once won an episode of a TV quiz show. That has always been one of my life's ambitions. Yeah. And on Mastermind, I came fourth out Ooh. of four. Yeah. 35 on points, one pass I got. Yeah. On the proper... <laughs> it's not like Celebrity Mastermind, the questions are much easier. Don't think that for a second. <laughs> you got a point for saying Richard Herring. Now, get <laughs> <out of> yourself. <laughs> I was surprised how hard the specialist subject, the, the general knowledge was very easy. Yeah. The specialist subject questions I thought what were did quite you do? hard. I did Rasputin, but they were quite, they were all in, they were all. Was Russian there a Bony M question? There wasn't. No. Was like, that was annoying. I kind, of, I kind of thought, I'll just listen to the song. Fill and in then the <laughs> that'll be eight points. Fill there, in so. the blank. Russia's greatest <laughs> blank machine. That'd be great. <laughs> They were proper uh, hard questions, like what street was he? Did he live on? Which was like this. Apparently, I could have said uh, P Street or something, which was the translation. But it was like this fifteen-syllable thing that I'd learnt, kind of phonetically. I don't speak Russian, but it was. I knew the answer, but it took me like five seconds to get it out because it was so still complicated. Hurts, does it? it does fucking hurt. Yeah, it still. Hurts. She did antiques. She's from antiques, Rocho. She can't do antiques as a specialist subject. <laughs> ah. <laughs> to be fair, you are Somerset's greatest love machine. So. Um, <laughs> Judging by your anecdotes, so, um, <laughs> so perhaps it was unfair that you did Rasputin. Um, very much the Richard Herring of his day, as as as, as, as history will remember him. <laughs> well, I played it. I did play him in Rara Rasputin, one of my first uh, solo shows. Well, not solo shows. With Sally Phillips was in it. Uh, <laughs> ben Moore uh, was in it. But no, I did lose an eye on Ed and it was spectacular. I, I did anyone watch that show? It was a really, really dull show. I you, did watch it. I'm quite, I am quite into Eggheads, but I think it's a very flawed uh, quiz. I think the weakest link is a very flawed quiz because uh, they you become the strongest link or the stronger link by banking money, which to me indicates weakness. <laughs> if you believe in you no, know, you should. If you're good, you don't bank money because you're confident you'll get your answer right, and that makes you the weaker link because the the person who's less scared, more scared of getting it wrong, will bank money and be actually better statistically than the other person. I'm furious about that. You are a <laughs> and, and eggheads, they give you three quids, so they give you three choices of the thing, don't they? And so you, you are, can course, usually guess right. it. So what I useless. hate about the weakest thing is somebody, when somebody sends someone away because they're a man or because they're a woman. <laughs> and us women have got to stick together. I, I'd, l I'd love to see them just carry the whole hog go, Whitey needs to stick together. When they... <laughs> When they vote <laughs> off the one Afro-Caribbean contestant. Um, it, but it's... Come on, we live in a world where sexism is as bad as racism. You shouldn't be able to allow, say, oh, I'm getting rid of him because he's a woman or, or she's a woman or because he's a man. It's just ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, no, I lost spectacularly on that. And, but now, thanks to the chase, I've won shitloads of episodes of a quiz oh, show, as good. you'll see about once a week in the autumn. All right, well, that's a spoiler. Spoiler! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, look, we're going to get. Uh, hopefully, she's here. I'm sure. Yes, she is. Uh, we're going to get uh, uh, someone to come on and do five minutes of stand up, doing a show. Which you do plug your own show, Tanya, because I haven't got the details because uh, I didn't see you beforehand. So do plug that at the end of your little stint. It's uh, and, and it's nice to, to give some up and coming stand ups a chance to do uh, five minutes of material. So you please welcome the amazing Tanya Edwards. <laughs> early but apparently being early doesn't count if you're at the wrong venue uh, it's very nice to be here it's nice to be here in the Edinburgh Festival um, I've been trying not to complain too much about the weather especially to my friends back home in London what with their streets being on fire <laughs> but there is a tiny bit of me that thinks I should be back there because I need new trainers too <laughs> my mate she actually called me to tell me that my flat was on the telly 
that it is not possible that my flat has made it onto the telly before I have. <laughs> I mean, podcast telly, podcast telly, podcast telly, thanks for having me, Richard, but my flat is still winning. <laughs> I, I came up here by the train, uh, by, by train, yeah, and um, I was looking out the window, all that rolling countryside, and that gives you a bit of perspective, really. I suddenly realised, Christ, there is a lot of building that needs to be done. <laughs> See, there are some couples dotted about. That's nice. Good luck. I actually had a date recently. I was very impressed with this man because he was traditional. He wouldn't let me pay for anything. It shouldn't matter, but handy hint, does a little. Nine pints of lager he bought me. I felt like a real lady. I thought, it is nice to know that chivalry is not dead. It really is, because manners count. Just ask the bankers. That's how they got away with it. Um, a bit of politics there, probably too early, probably too hungover. Uh, but yeah, I think it's harder dating as you get older, you know, because I've made some schoolboy errors. I uh, can't even tell how old other people are anymore. And... Um, <laughs> No, it's terrible, it's terrible, because I'm actually, I'm actually 30, I know that's hard to believe, I am an aesthetic marvel. Uh, but I've, I've been, it's hard being 30, people, they warn you it's hard being 30. I've been 30 for a couple of years now, so I'm getting used to it. But, but it's hard, it's hard because people around you, they're changing as well. Like, my mum, she's getting older too, she ends every sentence now with, well, what's the point, I'm going to be dead soon. And the thing is, she's not going to be dead soon. I reckon she's definitely got eight years. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, she's not sick, she's just old. But Ladbrokes would not take that bet. <laughs> another disappointment, another disappointment. I'm doing a, I am doing a show down at the caves in Cowgate called The Phoenix, a legendary bird like myself. Uh, the Phoenix, a failure on a mission. And I talk a lot about love in my show because I fell mad in love last year, but it was unrequited love. And unrequited love, we all know, is the best kind. Because <laughs> it leaves so much room for the imagination. <laughs> Honestly, I felt heroic. I wanted to lie in front of a lorry for this man. I did. But you can't just lie in front of a lorry on your own in the middle of the night because that would be suicide. <laughs> Literally. So I did everything that you're supposed to do to get over a person. You know, I got high. I screwed around. I was celibate. Sometimes all in the same evening. <laughs> but I just, I just could not let it go. You know, I could not let it go. My situation, it called for some drastic action. So what I did was I... Um, I sponsored his, his ramble. <laughs> he, went, he went on a ramble for cancer, and I sponsored his ramble, 50 pounds, anonymously. <laughs> I think they're doing something anonymous, is that people don't realize that you've done it. Uh, so he, uh, he actually wrote to me and asked me to sponsor his ramble. I couldn't tell him I was his headline sponsor, that I was the O2 of his cross-country jaunt. So I just had to sponsor him again. Uh, £25, that's £75 I put towards that walk. I thought, Christ almighty, give me cancer, I need to get my money's worth. <laughs> I talk about this, the minor disappointments in life. Like, I'm 30 and you realise you're not doing well when you're still living with other people at the age of 30 for financial reasons. I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes housemates can be all right. Last year I was living with a guy called Rob and... Uh, Rob is easy to live with, you know, every Saturday he'd go to the supermarket, he'd buy himself a rotisserie chicken, a baguette. He'd come home, take the chicken and the baguette into his bedroom, where he'd pleasure himself for hours between feeds. 
It wasn't a secret. He was a proud man. He loved Saturdays. He was in a good mood for the rest of the week. <laughs> I still think I still think I shouldn't be shouldn't be living with other people now. I, I live now with a guy called uh, Filippo. He's Italian. He owns a hairdryer. I've heard him use it. Imagine that. <laughs> he comes out with gems like Tano. You must put on display some man's a ball. It's like Mr. Motivator with a quiff. I like him, but he doesn't do his washing up. And <laughs> these are the kind of life-changing things I talk about in my exciting show. Um, and if you say Big Bird at the, uh, at the box office, I've just fucked this up, haven't I? They'll, they'll give you a free ticket. So the point of coming on here this <laughs> afternoon was to finally sell some tickets for my show, and I've accidentally told all of Richard Herring's fans how they can come in for free. Uh, <laughs> But it would be very nice to see you there. Um, and my show's about failure, so really I think that's pretty much a success already. Um, thank you very much for having me. Have a good festival. Bye-bye. Tony Edwards there, ladies and gentlemen. Come back up for, yes. Uh, go and see her show and pay money to see it. She's very good. Uh, she need, we need, need to support everyone. Yes, hooray. Uh, right, we're going to do a competition now where you can remember, you're looking at that map, aren't you? You're looking at it, uh, you can't... It's just under there, I'm not going to... So we're going to do a competition, one of your wind... It's £20 the price today, one of the lowest amounts it's been. Uh, we're not, not really doing well enough here tonight, not selling enough tickets. Uh, and uh, the, uh, as it occurs to me, the complete pumpkin, uh, available from www.gofasterstripe.com, uh, along with uh, lots of other stuff. Uh, and there's the map, and there is tickets to see uh, James Dowswell. Dowswell? Dowswell. 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 I should know. He's a, he's a very, a very funny guy. And uh, Lee Camp uh, is, is yet another American uh, in his show. <laughs> well, that's, that's what that's it's called. Title of his that's show. what it's called. <laughs> uh, James Dowsdall is uh, doofus. I can't fucking speak. Uh, so what we do is we are going to make us uh, some statements that are either true or false, and you have to decide whether they're true or false. If you get it right, you stay in. If you get it wrong, you have to sit down. So first of all, you have to stand up. Uh, otherwise, this won't work. Otherwise, you're all out. So stand up. If you think the thing is true, put your hands on your head. If you think it's false, put your hands on your bottom. It's self-policing in this now lawless society. So uh, anyone seen cheating, you can do whatever you like to them, including brutal rape for the uh, today. That is the theme for today. But only brutal rape, not tender rape. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I'll start you off with... I've been looking at my phone during the interval and uh, during the stand-up there, and... Um, Unfortunately, the sad news has come through that the newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, uh, the, the host of uh, Treasure Hunt, uh, has died today. Is that true or is that false? Hands on your head if you think it's true. Uh, hands on your bottom if you think it's false. True or false? Um, it, it is false. It's, uh, it's the fourth time I've done that one. So <laughs> I just, that's, uh, just one day he will die and then everyone, I'm going to catch everyone out. He can't live forever, can he? Do you know he lives with his life partner in the I Isle do. of Wight? He's a beekeeper and, and he lives on the Isle of Wight. You've given away... It's wonderful that at the age of 90 or whatever it is, he's, he's living still with his male life partner. He is, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, Why, are you saying that gay people can't have long-term relationships? You're so homophobic. No, it's just... <laughs> you say if you become old, you become just heterosexual again. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> just didn't know it about Kenneth Kendall. That was all. <laughs> I didn't know about... We all knew it about Maurice Stewart. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Um, Damien Rhodes, who at the age of 27 is the youngest MP in the country, is the son of former Duran Duran keyboardist Nick Rhodes. Oh, true or false? Paul's going to be good at this because he knows lots of facts and is good at making up lies. So uh, is that true or false? What is the answer? It's absolute bollocks. Bollocks. So sit down if you said true. Uh, I've been to the gym today, as usual, and uh, I forgot, though, to bring some spare underwear with me. 
So I am currently going commando, is that true <laughs> or false? Can look for clues, true or false? <laughs> See if you can spot anything. It's false, I haven't been to the gym today, I've been writing my script. Why don't you listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> And I wore my pants. I put pants on, especially when I have a look, darling. There we go. Look at that. Yeah. They're not the pants. I was wearing a pair of pants so big the other day. Uh, I was just wearing my pants in my flat with my girlfriend. I could pull them up. I can't do it with these ones. I could pull them up right over my tits. <laughs> I can only get up to there with these ones. But I was walking around like Humpty Dumpty with my pants <laughs> above my nipples. My girlfriend didn't like She didn't think it was a good look. But I'm gonna now I'm gonna wear them like this, because then I look like a cool and if I forget to change that, if I forget to pull those down on the way out, I'm gonna look And like you it. had the gall to be offended when I said I didn't fancy you anymore. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that covered in panty spandex. Yeah. Should have done that extra for the where's the where's he gone? The old disappear. He's run away. He's so upset. The the stag has gone. The stag he's disappeared in his pink top. He's either pulled, which would be a shame either way, wouldn't it? Especially on a podcast where we've outed him. Uh, or uh, or he's just thought, this is shit. I'm going to go get some new friends. <laughs> why, why did they bring me to this shit? Uh, have you got another true or false statement? Yeah, two days ago in the Edinburgh, in Edinburgh Evening News, an interview with J.K. Rowling, uh, she said that she was looking forward to seeing Adam Hills this year at Edinburgh, despite the fact that I don't think Adam Hills has got a show. Wow. Is that um, true or false? Surely the brain couldn't make up that. Or maybe he's just changed the detail. Who knows? What's the truth of that? Bollocks. Bollocks is made up. He's a genius, I told you. So who's still in? We've got a lady, I think, there. Late two ladies. Is that it? And on the lady here, it's all the ladies. Uh, let me think. Uh, oh, well, you know, you haven't been here. Where, where did he go? No, <laughs> 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 well, absolutely not. Not in a pink jacket, mate. That's the thing you're... <laughs> you're easy to spot. I thought, why, am I, why, is, why is my vision all right again? Oh, it's gone. That day glow is gone. So three people still in. I've got to think of an amazing fact or lie uh, to tell you. Oh, fuck. You do another one, Paul. I can't think of anything. Um, You're good at it. All right, OK. <laughs> uh, the thing that connects the comedian Jim Bowen uh, and the former sports presenter Jim Rosenthal mm. and the impressionist Jan Ravens is all of them have kids doing shows at the Edinburgh Festival this year. Ah, true or false? There's one gone for false, two gone for true. Two out of three, it's false. Jim Bowen does not have a kid doing the oh, end of the festival this year. Oh, it's a good do. one. I thought it's true as well. So you've won, madam, what's your name? Joyce. Joyce, what a terrific name. You've won. Uh, and as it occurs to me, oh, the complete company, where did I put that money? Someone's nicked it. Oh, there we go. Paul Sinner's taken it. Oh, look at that, it's all gone on the floor. What's wrong with me? Why am I such an idiot? Uh, you get two tickets to Lee Camp. You get two, we're going to have one, I think, soon. Uh, so uh, then two tickets to James Dowd, Webb Wells. And the map. There you go. Can you pass? Can you pass that back? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think the. Uh, I think it's kind of pointless giving the stag night two tickets to anything because she won't be able to come with you. So I'll give. Uh, I'll give that to you just because you're the prettiest girl I can see, and that is the kind of guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's, uh, I've got three there, which is wrong, so look, I'll give those to these, these fellas at the front. And uh, we've got uh, five minutes left. We can have a chat. I'm, I actually uh, I'm a, I should, should have mentioned this. Um, I'm in three weeks. Uh, the, it's the most important newspaper in Edinburgh. That all the, pretty much all the comedians will look at the three weeks review and decide 
whether their show's good or not as a result Absolutely. of how it is reviewed. But they haven't uh, reviewed me for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassingly, they've got. They, there's this been this thing going around that I'm the king of Edinburgh, and I've been trying to. <laughs> I've been trying to put a damper on that because it's embarrassing. Everyone, you know, everyone is equal here in Edinburgh, and I think we. To, even though I've been here a lot more than most people, and very consistently well-reviewed shows. I don't <laughs> think that. Um, I don't think that. But they're embarrassing. The three weeks are actually calling me the king of Edinburgh. There's a quote here. Richard Herring, the King of Edinburgh, there. So that is. Uh, does that mean you've taken over the role of being the royal box, Richard? <laughs> Maybe it does. There it is. Some some guy. I don't know who this Joker is. Look, he's he's written that I'm the King of Edinburgh. This guy here. Oh, you so I don't. I have not written it. <laughs> I mean, it's a good. It's worth picking up. I interviewed uh, Barry Cryer, and I've, this is my, one of my proudest achievements. You didn't. I don't think. Barry Crow would ever have gotten, the, with all due respect to him, because he's one of the greatest comedians in the world, I don't think he would ever have been the cover star of three weeks, but because I've guest edited this oh publication, right. he's <laughs> Barry Cryer, which I am so delighted about, and I also, uh, the two, sorry Paul, you would have been my third choice, That's but uh, I, I interviewed my two favourite comedians, Barry Cryer and Jerry Sadovitz, who I didn't think would answer anything I asked him but has answered all my questions well, in a proper way. We have his answers. Uh, well, you're going to have to buy good one. It's don't even have to buy it. It's for free. You can give it away. Get it, pick it up. I should have given it as a price. To, as for first, <laughs> should have just given everyone. I should have brought them down. But uh, he's good. I asked him, he says, uh, I asked him whether, because he's a very not gentle and polite man. Have you met him in real life, Jerry? I Sons? have met him. He's genuinely terrified. Uh, he is terrified. Ter I'm terrified of him, but he's really sweet. I remember once I mentioned in an article that I really liked him. And I'm exactly the kind of person that he hates, right? Because I'm an Oxbridge, I'm an Oxbridge comedian who's managed to get on TV, uh, admittedly some time ago. So he would hate, <laughs> he would hate. But I sort of said that he was one of the people who got me into stand-up comedy, and you know, we'd seen him in 1987. He was amazing, and he kind of made a point. He was on the Brooks Bar, and you hardly ever see him in Edinburgh. He made a point in making a beeline for me. I thought, oh fuck, he's going to punch me in the face. And he said, oh, I just want to thank you for saying those nice things, and then disappeared again. So he's kind of, he's a very charming man. So my can, I, can I contrast that what? with? Uh, my first ever gig at the comedy store when John Maloney was comparing right. and he was the first stand-up I ever saw at an anti-racism festival in 1987 yeah. and he was absolutely magnificent and I said to him in the dressing room do you know you, you're the first person to inspire me to think about stand-up comedy I saw, I saw you were the first comedian I ever saw and his words to me were if you're going to sit there going on about how old I am you can fuck off <laughs> <laughs> so he has apologised since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he shouldn't have done. Uh, that was a brilliant. That was brilliant. I, 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 he was quoted in the paper. One of his friends says he seems angry and aggressive. This is Jerry, but underneath there's a layer of vulnerable romantic. But he's not going to say that because that would make him really vulnerable. And I asked if that was true, and I said, "Isn't that true that in real life you're a shy and polite gentleman?" And he said, "I'm truly lousy, ungrateful, mistrusting, supremely fearful, failed human being. And I believe ultimately the harsh judgment placed upon me by God, mankind, women, the common history, and the magic fraternity is probably deserved." <laughs> <laughs> so you're off the hook. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so he's a man. It's, it's worth picking up for that uh, that interview. It's a very interesting interview. And Barry is uh, terrific, and Barry does his favourite joke at the moment. I'm hoping I'll get Barry on. Uh, on this show next week which will be terrific I doubt I will uh, manage to persuade or be I'm a bit too scared to ask Jerry to come on here <laughs> I don't know if I want to speak to him for 40 minutes <laughs> I think the violence may ensue but uh, do, do it's online but it's really fucking difficult to make the three weeks uh, website work you can it get is the worst website I've ever seen you can get life. a PDF of it but every time I tried to download it I got the, the wrong issue even though I was clicked on the right issue and you can either watch it you can have a look at it on a little tiny box that you can then have to zoom into it's the worst I mean students isn't they should know how to work computers 
Yes. They should be better at that. Anyway, thank you very much for coming. I'll t- two's coming up tomorrow is Holly Walsh and Francesca Martinez, both brilliant comedians. It's a ladies' weekend. Should have come. Should have come tomorrow, guys, because it's going. <laughs> And uh, on, uh, we've got two Sarahs on Sunday. We've got Sarah Pascoe and uh, Sarah Millican. Uh, so do book ahead for those, because that will be very exciting. So I'm looking forward to both of those. And then a day off on Monday where I do Rich Turning's Objective, which now has to be better than Paul Sinner's cricket test. Is that what it was called? Yes. The bicycle S- test. The Sinha test. Sinha yeah. test, yeah. that was it called. It's a high, uh, the Sony award-winning I Sinha test. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give it a sign. I've got... <laughs> I've already... With this... This uh, Edinburgh, I've already won the Lifetime Achievement uh, Spirit of the Fringe Award at the Fringe. Because I yes. just I've, got, I've given myself the power to give these out, so you that you have, and I am the king of Edinburgh, so I can just I, I bestow on you. That can is I the Sony go, Sony gold for the cinema test. The best gay Asian comedian <laughs> of the fringe. Not <laughs> if CJ Demoy comes up, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, will you please, will you please give a big round of applause to my guest, Paul Sinner, ladies and gentlemen, go see his show. What time is it, Paul? Uh, 10.40 across the road in Stand 3. Stand 3. And Tanya Edwards, uh, please go and see her show. Stand pay money. Thank you very much for coming. See you tomorrow. Bye.